Hello everybody, welcome again to another episode of Biz Talk with Shaza. This is your host, Sharul Hamdan, and I'm very pleased to be here with you in your ear, in your car, wherever um, this podcast finds you. First of all, I want to say, please stay safe. I think there's a recent COVID spike in Malaysia. It's a bit worrying. It's hovering around 2 to 2.8k a day. And this is very similar to the first, second, third wave that I think all of us have already been very familiar with. So I think it's just an indication that things will get worse based on our previous experience. But I think with now the emergence of vaccines in our country and uh, continuous efforts by the government to vaccinate as many people as as quickly as possible, um, that should mitigate the crazy spikes we've seen from the previous few waves. So today's episode, I wanted to talk about trends that may influence certain businesses to pivot um, in the light of COVID, in the light of an uncertain future, in the light of work from home, in the light of not renting out huge spaces for offices anymore. So all these different things may um, result in certain trends coming out and certain um, fads that might interest a lot of business owners looking to invest. And I was hoping to go into a few of them to really dissect which business that came out of COVID um, will actually be successful once we get out of this um, COVID situation globally. At the same time, we also discuss whether is this really the new normal? Will we really return to something that was more similar to what we had before 2020? Or is this situation here to stay? And hence, how that might affect business decisions in the future. So one um, important um, business trend that came out was obviously um, the work from home business boom. So you've got players like Zoom, as I mentioned many, many you know months back. Um, players like uh, virtual office assistants helping out and also um, furniture companies doing very well in order to allow people to have the right infrastructure to work from home. Um, but I think we all know that business model has not always been very sustainable, in my opinion. I think once COVID stops, people will flock out. People want, will want to work in an office. There's just something different about working in an office. The, the, the sort of um, convenience of just reaching out to a colleague you know, within five seconds rather than trying to schedule a Zoom call just to ask one simple question. There's a, there's a buzz in, a, in an office full of people working together, collaborations, um, those, those, that, that kind of energy is actually very important to, to keep you motivated at work and keep you being creative at work. So I always thought, you know, working from home will always be sort of a supplement um, rather than um, the, the new norm. It will always be a supplementary sort of arrangement for you to work. But it, sh- it shouldn't be the only way to work, right? So I always believed as the vaccines come through, as the COVID-19 situation improves around the world, uh, you will see less of work from home um, gradually. So that's that's what I think, first of all, on the work from home space. Um, the second thing, second business that has really popped up um, quite prevalently in the COVID situation was the telemedicine space. 
So basically, you don't need to go to a clinic, you don't need to go to a hospital to get consultancy um, session anymore. You can just go online, schedule an appointment with a doctor, do a video call, and get an e-prescription sent to you on by soft copy and um, medicine delivered to you, to your house, to your doorstep. So I think that is a lot more sustainable. Number one, because I think people just don't want to go clinics, even though there is no COVID at all. Let's say the COVID never happened. Nobody really wants to go to a clinic um, when you're sick, you know, you're, you're tired, you can't get out of the house, you'd rather not be exposing yourself to other people or being exposed to other um, viruses around. You'd rather just get your meds at home and just lie on your own bed and take your meds and sleep. So I always think that there was always value in telemedicine, even before COVID. And I think when COVID hit, it then became even more um, obvious that this will boom and this telemedicine model is actually very useful because there's now an actual virus that could kill you outside, right? So why would you want to risk um, going through that if you're just looking to get a prescription and looking to get a consultancy session to uh, with a doctor, with a GP at least? So I think telemedicine is going to boom a lot more versus um, the work-from-home trend businesses. I always believed in that. And I think it's worth noting that I think we are all naturally um, quite social human beings, even though we can be introverts or extroverts. But we all want to be outside. We all want to be part of something bigger. We want to be part of an energy. Uh, we, we, that's why people love going to concerts. People love going to um, gatherings. Because there's just this sort of social satisfaction, right, that you achieve when you go out and meet people and talk, and it has to be face to face. There's just, you know, there's just such a distance talking to a screen versus somebody who is right in front of you. So I think um, that's really what I think about the the um, technology trends that that may spring up out of COVID and the sustainability of those things. Um, now also on the third business model that I think was was a bit mixed, um, which was actually co-working spaces. Um, so co-working space, um, the, the, the value add there is that you don't need to fork out a lot of uh, monies to rent out a space. You can share a lot of facilities within the office with other companies um, that, may be, that may be in that location. And, and usually you pay less for a much better location and you don't need to fork out your bills and your... Um, Wi-Fi, you don't need to pay different service providers to maintain your tenancy in that place. You just pay a flat fee every month and you get Wi-Fi, you get coffee, you get a desk. Um, it's basically sort of a package deal, right? And I think COVID actually destroyed that model for a while in the start because people say, okay, I'm not even going to leave my house. I'm not even going to... Um, you know, go to a co-working space because I'm going to be exposing myself to people who may not, who are not even in my company, people who are from different, different companies. I don't know where have they been. You know, at least if you're in an office of your own company, you can sort of control how they tap in. You can control who gets tested. You can, you, you basically have information on every employee that comes into that building. So you're able to track um, in case you need to do any kind of social tracking um, for, for um, people who get exposed. Um, so that was the initial part that co-working spaces was hit pre- uh, at the start because people just refused to go out, get out of the house. It was a bit too scary. But then came the other, um, the saving grace where big, big corporate um, offices uh, decided, you know, 
as COVID then improved and vaccines um, come out, um, why don't we just rent co-working spaces and have a hybrid model of working from home and some can come to the co-working space um, to work? So I think there will be a dispersion from, you know, a huge company owning a whole huge building, having hundreds of employees in a single building, realizing that you know they can reduce their cost significantly by just breaking up teams into co-working spaces around the city or around the location they are based in. Um, number one, it's safer from COVID because you don't have you know huge numbers of people in a single space. Number two, it's a lot cheaper for these um, huge corporates. So I think there is a mitigating factor. Like it's a net net. You know, it's probably a slight positive for for co-working spaces because there's a lot of um, excess staff that will want to work um, in a co-working space coming from all these big corporates. So, you know, I think um, that actually could be a saving grace for co-working spaces. So I'm I'm pretty sure uh, I'm quite neutral on that. I, I used to be very bearish on co-working spaces. I was I, I thought that they were just all going to close down, but now looking at things improving and looking at corporates deciding to to not rent huge buildings, not take up huge long-term leases um, in right in the middle of the city and breaking it up to co-working space, I think I think that's that's really, really interesting. So yeah, so that's pretty much on the business side uh, for this week. Um, so obviously, at, usually at the end of the, the podcast, I'll always give a quick segment on um, some story time or something personal so that, you know, we, we can all relate to each other. And perhaps I hope my stories can can help out anyone who's facing any kind of um, um, mental issues or facing any kind of depression. Uh, not that I'm a qualified psychiatrist or anything like that, but uh, you know I thought I'd just be open and share with you guys. So this week I was thinking a lot about where I came from, and just to share with you guys, I grew up in um, Bandar Sri Damansara, a place very close to Kepong where I went to school. And usually when I tell people that I'm from Kepong, um, I get funny faces because Kepong is always known to be quite rough, right? You've got, um, it, it's basically a community that is, is probably lower middle income predominantly. We don't have um, many upper middle class or even upper class societies there um, if, you, if you don't count Desapak City, lah, um, which is actually also in Kepong. But... You know, 90% of the Kepong area is, is usually lower middle class and the schools around there are not private. Schools around there are mostly national schools, Kebangsaan schools. So, um, and, and you just overall, you just look around the type of restaurants that are there. You know, they're not fancy restaurants. They're, they're very ma- very much mass market, very much catering to, to people who are lower middle income. And um, as I grew up and as I, you know, realized the finer things in life and I started working and, you know, saving up for my salaries and bonuses and all that, got financially more stable. Obviously, then, you know, your lifestyle changes a bit. You become, you know, you realize you can afford nicer things. You, you buy brands sometimes rather than the actual items. You know, you put more value into the brand. Um, and um, you, you you just try nicer and different things are things that you may not have experienced when you were younger, you know, growing up in places like Kepong. Um, but recently, I've been you know going back to Kepong, going back to Sri Damansara to to really um, find out more, not really find out, but just to experience and and get nostalgic, you know, sometimes. And I realized that things were a lot more simpler there, and at that time. You know, I just had a very simple life, but I was extremely happy. 
extremely contented with everything. And so I think sometimes we just, um, you know, need to really get back down to earth and, you know, go back to where you grew up sometimes. You know, sometimes when you're flying high, you're achieving this and achieving that. Sometimes you just need to go back to where you grew up in and and find out who you really are. So some sometimes I do feel like I find myself there. Every time I drive around the area or, you know, drop by for a cup of tea or coffee somewhere in that area, all the memories flash back and come back to my, my mind and I have all these flashbacks and I realize that, you know, you start questioning why are you doing what you're doing right now? You know, fast forward all those years, are you doing what you really want to do? And if the answer is yes, then that's great, right? But if the answer is no, then you have to sort of think about rethink about everything like rethink about your career you know find out what's making you unhappy what 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 went wrong you know from coming out of that place to to where you are now so i always think it's it's very useful to to you know have nostalgia as a tool to find some purpose in the present and in the future and i think having memories come back to you in in that way being in the area being in the place where you grew up it just puts you put everything into perspective right and a lot of people try to run away from that a lot of people try to you know go overseas migrate or, or whatever they need to do and, and to achieve whatever they they want to achieve whatever success is to them um, but I find myself always wanting always longing to be back where I came from and I think it's just I don't know whether it's just me um, but you know, if, if it really does work for me, so maybe you guys can can do that as well. You know, go back to where you came from. You know, um, go back to places that were very, that are very nostalgic to you, places that mean a lot to you. Sit there, have a cup of coffee, think about life, and reflect. You know, because sometimes you can get so busy chasing things in the future, chasing whatever lah, money, relationship, chasing a person or anything like that. Sometimes you forget um, why you're doing this um, at all. Right, so yeah, so I think that's a bit of you know um, a bit of backstory of where I come from and and how I really feel about Kapong. Even though it's a rough place, it's a place that's very you know near and dear to my heart and makes me realize that you know sometimes don't chase too hard because you were happy where um, where you were last time. You were you were happier sometimes where you were last time. So I think that's something useful to to share with you guys. So. That's it for this week. Let's catch up again next week, hopefully. Have a good one, guys. Stay safe.